So recruiting this painful process for the company to go through 50 interviews, thousands of applicants, and for and candidates to be applying to all these jobs, that goes away. You look for a job and you'll be matched within a day. Welcome to The New HR, a podcast for HR professionals who strive for more than just compliance and paperwork. We believe that HR is at the heart of any organization. So our show is all about meaningful conversations with HR tech founders and high performers who are driving change in the industry. From employee journeys to HR platforms and wellness in the evolving corporate world, we cover it all. Now, here's your host, Mark Jackson. Hello, uh, welcome to the new HR show. I'm Mark Jackson, your host. And today we have a special guest, Juan Betancourt. Uh, Juan is a recognized uh, as a, is recognized as a thought leader, speaker, and business executive in the human capital management, HR software, recruiting, and culture space. He's also considered by Malcolm Gladwell one of the world's most connected connectors. That's interesting. Approaching networking from a place of energy and friendship, not based on short-term goals, material, or personal gain. Juan is CEO of Human Intelligence the culture software which enables the power of people to make simple, uh, made simple, and Gonza Executive Search, a leading executive search firm that works with leading PE firms to find the top executive talent for their portfolio companies. Welcome, Juan. Thanks, Mark, for having me today. So, so nice to have you today. So, let's let's just jump in um, right, right off the top. Can you share a few things about your background what's what's brought you to where you are today yeah i think it starts with family and uh being an immigrant um parents were the first generation from cuba for my family to come and uh i grew up with uh, strong values of uh, hard work um and uh if you work hard you'll get lucky and that played out i've been blessed uh with the great uh parents great education and all the other things seem to just fall in line and uh, put me in a place to to take risks by the time I was 40 and, and jump off and do my own thing and, and not follow the, the, the common path, if you will. That's great. So what kind of took you down the road of, um, thinking of, of human intelligence and, and that? Need? Yeah. So all my career, um, I had been looking for that thing, that, that passion. What, what is it for me? And most of my friends in college, you know, I, I went to Harvard and for some reason, Harvard people somehow know what they want. And most of my friends by 25 were doing their thing, their passion, whether it was a doctor, a lawyer, a startup, I didn't know. And so I kept on the path um, uh, of, you know, the Procter and Gambles, the Reeboks, the Pumas, go work for big companies and you'll get exposed to things, you know, and like any risk averse person, I went and got an MBA because that's what you do if you don't know what you want to do. Um, uh, ended up becoming a headhunter. And so my career first half was really exec uh, like being an executive and operational from everything from marketing to retail to software second half of career so that's 15 years second 15 years of my career was being a headhunter um executive search consultant finding executives i was very good at finding a match not just for a a team or a, a leader but for the the challenge at hand um and so seeing all of that and with that experience I'd always been perplexed by these personality tests. Like I, I really love human connection. And I know like Malcolm Gladwell said, I, I'm good at connecting with people. I've been to over 280 weddings, you know, and I'm not a wedding crasher. People just, <laughs> I create friendship and I real create, I create real bonds. And I'm very good at that. And the power of trust and the power of transparency and understanding 
makes any leader or team collaborate better. And so I was always thinking, God, how could you scale that personality test? We've all done at big companies that turn into workshops that after three, four weeks, there's zero value. And so with technology, with APIs, with a really good assessment tool that we found in the market that we bought, we then said, let's let's put this as part of the workflows of people's job. So when kind of like Grammarly, which surfaces tips on how to write correctly in your email or in Word documents, why don't we put tips on how to communicate and collaborate and how to be more emotionally intelligent or have higher EQ when you're writing an email, when you're entering a calendar to see the culture of the meeting and who you want to influence, um, when you're onboarding somebody in a Microsoft Teams group, let's say at Accenture, they have a new team formulating, sharing at the moment with the team, the leader, insights around the strengths and the weaknesses of the team. This would allow and enable for the first time ever better collaboration at the time of need, more agility for a leader, for a team. Um, it would lead for an optimization of culture. And so I launched Human Intelligence to execute on that vision. That's great. Who, who would you say is getting the most out of the platform? Who's getting the most out of the platform? Yeah. Large, large 2,000 person uh, companies that are distributed, knowledge workers. So this is less for the manufacturing plants, the retailers, the hospitality. This is for professional services company. We signed the MSA with Accenture for all 700,000 employees because they're consistently putting teams together and they're going to be the best consulting from the world the quicker those teams can get up and running and understanding each other. They're also using it for their clients to best connect with their clients and understand how to put teams together that will match best with their clients. Um, so professional services, one. Um, financial services, companies, large banks and financial services firms that have offices all over the world. Because even if you're back to work, if you have 10, 50, 20,000 employees and you're distributed, well, you don't see those people very often. And now with generational differences of a six-year-old, six-zero-year-old working with a 20-year-old, there's challenges there. And so anything you can get on understanding someone and how they like to work um, is going to be helpful in financial services. Uh, as well, uh, you have um, technology. So uh, Slack went to market in 2000 because they were connecting people over the world as IT and engineers were being outsourced. Now we make Slack better because not only are you connected with data and voice on these collaboration tools, we're a plugin that sits on top of Slack, Microsoft Teams, Outlook, Zoom, Cisco WebEx, and it allows you to really connect in a better way. And so software engineers who are consistently working around the world together, they're a great uh, client as well. And then the last one would be uh, any big company like Fortune 500 that has a strong belief in DEIB, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging. Most energy has been spent on gender and race. There's 48 variables around DEIB. We are one of those other variables, which is diversity of thought, um, diversity of, of how people work in terms of making people feel more included in a meeting and more and feeling more belonging. We're the first tool in the world that does that at scale. Interesting. And, and from a coaching perspective in terms of, you know, young people that are being onboarded, a lot of them over the first few years of their career are going to be getting those human face-to-face -face cues uh, for a variety of things, but you're actually now kind of cutting through that trial and error that somebody would naturally go through and, and giving them that 
best practices or you know things that they should consider when they're when they're communicating which is you know what what takes three months for an onboarding with Artful, we actually have a module for onboarding which shares the results of the boss and the subordinate as well as the team and the and the and the team new new team member and it has a step-by-step guide that people don't need a consultant and it walks them through on how are we similar how are we different where will there be tension and and you cut down three months of onboarding to about three weeks um uh Adam Grant uh, went, went, is a professor at Wharton Business School, and I had my 25-year reunion at, at Wharton recently, about three weeks ago. And uh, somebody asked uh, in this big auditorium of 5,000 people, Adam, what's the most important thing for culture and for leadership at a company? And he goes, every employee, whether it be a leader or a team member, needs a user guide or a user manual, like your new TV or your, like your new iPad. Or He goes, every person needs a user manual, how they like to work what ticks them off, how they like to collaborate. And so my phone was blowing up as I'm in the audience. All my friends from business will know I started Human Intelligence, which is literally the first tool in the world that does what Adam Grant believes is the most important thing for the future of work. And I do it at scale where you can sign up 20,000 people in a week. That's amazing. What, one of the interesting uh, features of your platform is that it has a, a personality test, obviously as an input for, for a lot of this. What, what data do you take into consideration uh, during the test and, and why is this kind of test important in, uh, in workplaces? Yeah, so there's two types of uh, ways of understanding a human being at work. There are those companies that take it through data scraping where the employee doesn't know what's happening and the, and the company is like a big brother. We do not do that. Uh, that leads to a lot of uh, security data and privacy issues. Um, ours is a very transparent process. Everyone knows that at large companies, uh, the talent development organizations in the U.S. spend $3 billion on personality tests. It's a cost center, but companies that believe in their people and invest in their people know that if someone knows themselves and somebody knows others better, the company and those leaders and those employees will be collaborating better, trusting more, and, and outperforming. And so we fall within that bucket where we make it voluntary and the way we get the insights that then flow through all the platforms is a 10-minute, scientifically validated, 30-year personality test. Psychometric instrument is the official term. Um, and so our chief scientists worked and got a thir- three-hour tool down to 10 minutes. Um, and we measure three things. Um, we call it the BMW framework, like the car. Um, 90% of the tools, and by the way, what we do in 10 minutes, nobody can do in less than an hour. And it is scientifically validated. Most companies need to make sure that whatever tools they use are validated. And we measure the B behaviors. That's 90% of the tools. That's like DISC, Myers-Briggs, Strength Finders, Predictive Index, what they call PI, Berkman, Caliper, Big Five. Those are all the usual suspects that, you know, cheaper. They're about eight to 10 minutes. We do it in about four minutes. Now, more expensive is the part that measures motivators or what some companies call uh, values. Um, and that is tools like uh, Lominger, Hogan, SHL. Now, the problem with the tools in the market around that second variable or, or lens is that they usually take 45 minutes to an hour. They cost 500 bucks to $1,000. You need a consultant to explain the 100-page output, which 90% is the same for everyone. Um, and it's a really a racket to make money. And and not more than 1% of companies will ever take those tools. We do it in four minutes and you can give it to 10,000 employees and it's very quick and it's very understandable. 
And those are two things, B and M, behaviors and motivators, which is all around self-development, self-awareness. Now, where the, all those tools fall short and where we're very unique is that we also look at not only self-development and who you are and how you think, but how does the environment, what work styles, the W of BMW, what work styles or what work type energizes you from an environment? Do you like a creative environment or a structured environment? So you could actually have two people with the same predictive index results, one failing miserably and one happy because one likes a creative environment and one likes a structured environment at the same company. Same with Hogan. And so this third lens is really important to understand how the environment of a team or a company uh, and that culture takes energy away or gives energy to somebody. So that's the BMW framework, which we measure in 10 minutes to get the insights. You take, you give a link to all employees or a division on a Monday, and then you hit, click a box on the admin for Teams, for Outlook, for Slack, and all those insights are now flowing through the company on Tuesday. It was fabulous. So what, what would you say is your favorite capability uh, or feature of your, uh, of your tool? I think the, the one that's most powerful and the neatest is on Microsoft Teams. I'm going to give you two examples, one today and one in six months. Uh, Microsoft Teams, um, one of the reasons why Accenture and we're, we're, we're talking to two other large professional service companies, you know, getting a team working well together quickly is paramount, right? So imagine on Microsoft Teams, the leader of that Accenture group bringing everybody on for the first time. They, they have the results already. It's already been taken by the, the, the company. And they say, well, we're going to share the screen and we're going to put on the screen the culture of this team. So there's seven people or eight or 10 people working together. They see that where people plot on that team, where their strengths are, where their weaknesses are, they can actually click on a button called Culture Playbook, which then walks the team through the most extreme things where maybe everyone is, let's say, decisive, and they have no deliberate people, or only one person, even worse, where that person is not going to feel included. And they literally are doing a $30,000 workshop without a consultant, saving the money, real time, in their first meeting together, and instead of spending three months getting up and running on where their strengths are and what they can do well to support the objective of the team, they're doing it in that first meeting in 30 minutes. They're hitting the top two things that are going to derail the team or sink the team um, and, and really identify how they can work better together. That, to me, is the holy grail of, of leadership, of team collaboration, and understanding how to work well together. And it's literally worth $30,000, $40,000 and, and our tools a dollar to five dollars per person per month so that's the slickest coolest most powerful tool today now with chat gpt and generative ai yeah. <laughs> every software company is being impacted probably every company in the world is being impacted um with our email where you're peer-to-peer collaborating where you open up an email and it says mark jackson let's say i'm sending a a report for you to get, to give feedback mark and i don't know you and you're an svp and i'm a young manager I'm going to click on a button that says human intelligence, smarter collaboration. That's today. And it'll give me tips. It'll say, Mark does not like too much detail. Keep it conceptual. It'll say maybe Mark hates authoritarian attitude and being too directive. So anything you want from him, don't tell him, ask it in the form of a question, right? So it gives me these tips, right? It'll say how to motivate Mark. Let's say, Mark, you're new on my team at Accenture. It'll say, Mark wants a real detailed, clear expectation of what he wants done, what you want as manager done. So I'll put details there, right? 
all those tips, I still have to think. Although it pained me when ChatGPT came out and all the repercussions, and there was a struggle internally in my company on, well, our goal in life is to make people more understanding, to have them think, to have them become more emotionally intelligent. Juan, if he's writing to Mark, should think about how Mark is different. And if I do that enough, I'll really understand Mark. Well, enter ChatGPT. 20 to 40-year-olds, these young people, often are 20-character Twitter people, just want the easy solution. We've actually had customers tell us, hey, Juan, on, on the email version, instead of clicking the human intelligence button, today it gives you tips, and then I have to think, can you do it where you just write the email, Juan? And once the email's written, you cl click the chat GPT, the, the, the HT, the human intelligence, smarter collaboration button, and instead of tips, the email just m magically gets rewritten. Wow. And of course, it is possible. Now, ChatGPT will never replace us because they need our input of the personality. Is Juan writing to Mark? Um, is Mark a maverick? How does he like information? So ChatGPT would be useless without our filtering of the of, of how to rewrite the email, the coaching to ChatGPT. But it is possible, and we are now testing it out and have a couple of prototypes where the email gets rewritten for you. That's the, probably the coolest one that's coming out in six months. So let me just distill this. An employee is going to send an email to Mark and they have a style where they they type a block of text, a giant a giant paragraph, a giant run on sentences. Right. Not even thinking how Mark likes to receive information. They don't even care about Mark. And then they click on HT. Well, maybe they know, know him, but they're just not doing that. They click on HT that says Mark likes distilled information in bullet points and chat gpt will reconfigure that email potentially to be more structured with bullet points yes ah that's that is the future of writing emails today there's a statistic 30 percent of all emails are misunderstood in the corporate environment right how many times have you got an email where you're like whoa who is this person like like that's really offensive what and the person didn't mean to be offensive just we all have different styles right that's different behaviors, different uh, values, different work styles. Um, that leads to 17 hours of lost productivity a month. And so this is the way of correcting that and making email and teamwork more productive. And, and you know, at the end of the day, creating more human connection, whether it is through ChatGPT or not. I almost think that 30% is probably underrepresented. It's probably a higher number. It might be even higher. Interesting. So COVID obviously changed the way we work with our remote workers and uh, hybrid teams and distributed workforces. So what do you think is is the biggest challenge for today's enterprises? Well, I think outside of my company's product and my space of SaaS software for, for HR, um, I think companies still haven't figured out steady state and the complexities that have some employees working back in the office, some employees working completely from home, some employees doing the hybrid, all three of those models are completely different back office support and technology and process to A, manage those people from a just process and HR payroll benefits perspective and what's fair. Um, it's really complex as a manager and as an organization to manage people in such different environments because it's very different skills that lead to good management across all three of those. So the complexity, I mean, basically every company now is three times more complex 
times three different ways of doing it. And, you know, there's, there's no right or wrong. I mean, I, I think companies have always had power. Now employees have power. And now for recruiting, for instance, imagine when you do a job posting at a company, yeah, there's a benefit that now you can find someone, anyone in the, anyone in the country to do the role. So it allows you to get a lot much better talent anywhere um, and, and, and find cheaper real estate. And now headquarters are going to go to places where it's a better life standard of living and where it's cheaper to rent office space. But now you can have people work anywhere. Um, you know, too bad for Silicon Valley, right? They're, they're, that's a crash and burn environment. Um, however, so that's a benefit to this whole remote thing for recruiting for companies. The negative though is their own employees now can get a job anywhere. And if I was in Dallas and there were no other companies that were Fortune 50 with a role as big as mine, I was locked because my family's in Dallas. I have kids. And so I have no power and I'm screwed. Now, as that same executive, I can tell my company, you know what? I have an offer in Chicago and Boston and Seattle from companies, same size, same job, paying me three times more. And I can live here in Dallas too. So companies are realizing that they're going to lose really good talent and they can't treat people uh, the way they did before. So there's positives and negatives. It, it's, it's just the complexity of work. Um, I would say if work was linear, now it's like calculus for companies to manage. Yeah. And I didn't like calculus back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> right. Going, going from addition and subtraction to calculus, that's what it's like to manage companies and people today. I was what I was reading an article the other day in the Wall Street Journal. I can't remember which company. It was it was a larger company, and uh, the CEF, CFO became the CEO. And they had pre- they had previously said that they're going to allow uh, remote work, and they've completely changed the tact and saying that you now have to be in the office three days a week. And uh, you, you talk about employees having the power. Um, you know, people up, upon. People say talent being told that they're going to work remote have moved. You know they've sold. Houses. Oh right, it's, you can't just all of a sudden switch and be like sorry. <laughs> and there's a there's there's a revolt now in terms of employee backlash. So it's uh, yeah, steady state finding the steady state is definitely a, a an apt comment for sure. Um, it, well, it's funny. I think the the word human resources is where people are widgets or products, right? it really is becoming human management. You have to manage it now. It's not a resource that you just allocate here or there and tell it what to do. You have to manage it. And uh, employees aren't just going to go down and do whatever anymore. They have a lot more options. Yeah, it's definitely a funky employment uh, environment with, yeah, you have layoffs, but a a tight labor market at the same time. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, so well-being and mental health are obviously such an important role in the workplace now. What are your, your thoughts on building uh, an employee-first organization? Yeah, it's interesting. My, my wife is a, a psychiatrist, so I, I see you know firsthand the stories that she tells me, um, not only from young people, uh, but from you know bullying at school where she has uh, child patients, but also adults who are just stressed out from work. Um, and their life. I, I think that's going to be a bigger and bigger component. You already see insurance companies covering uh, wellness programs at all the large companies and even mid-sized companies now. Um, so seeing a psychologist is often covered now and um, uh, 
preventative, even more important, uh, preventative uh, wellness programs and meditation and mindfulness are now core parts of almost every HR program. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And it's not frowned upon anymore. I think when you, you know, 10 years ago, saying mindfulness or meditation or work meant you were a hippie from uh, the 70s. Now it's it's a common term and it's understood and people know that balance is good and it's not work-life balance, it's life-work balance and it's equal. And um, our tool actually does help with that because, you know, at the end of the day, friction at work is what causes stress. And usually it's with your boss or your teammates. Our tool allows people to understand each other better and reduce that friction. So we feel we're adding a small piece or having a small part in helping uh, engagement improve and people be happier at work uh, with their peers and with their bosses. And we have seen over time with our longer term clients um, that turnover has been reduced through better engagement and understanding of each other. Uh, it's, 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 it's really important. And, you know, we're trying to support that. Yeah, I think you are. Um, so from your perspective, what role does culture play in attracting and retaining employees and how can HR managers ensure there's an alignment between company culture and employee values? Yeah, I think the, the space of culture is one of the most misunderstood things by the smartest people in the world. I am shocked that companies still go out there pounding their chest, believing that they have one culture everywhere. It will go down one day when companies like ours show the data and have a platform that if a company actually had one culture everywhere, they would fail miserably. Because by the way, you have infinite cultures in any large organization. If the finance and accounting team had the same behaviors, motivators, work styles, if the way people work in finance and accounting was applied to the way people work in marketing or vice versa, one of those two functions would be the worst performing function in the world. And if the people at Coca-Cola USA had the same workways as the people of Coca-Cola France, they'd be the most failing company in the world in the USA because people from France don't work well in the US and vice versa because of culture. And I don't just mean ethnic culture, but regional culture. The barista, even if the same company in the same country, the barista team in Hialeah, Florida, near Miami, where it's all Latin customers and Latin employees, where culturally it's great for the time in the store to be 30 minutes where you're in line waiting, where you're talking to people or the, the, the barista talking to the client and asking them questions like, about their child. Oh my God, you're and squeezing the cheeks of the child. And it's like a instant relationship where you're touching the customer, laughing with them, asking personal questions, right? That is a high net promoter score, best customer service for that Starbucks store in Hialeah. And they're probably the best performing store in Miami. You take that same team at Starbucks, same job, and you put them in New York City in Battery Park with a bunch of, you know, North American iBankers who need to get to work quickly. If they actually did the same exact thing in that store of Starbucks and it took time and people were asking personal questions, they would get sued, nobody would go back, and they would close that store. So the best performing culture of Barista Starbucks in Miami would be the worst performing in the same company in a different city, right? These are cheeky examples, but no, the reality is the reality is you don't have one culture. And the company, you know, a guy, uh, I did a case study with this guy back in 2001. 
Don Soul, we did a case study on Siebel Systems together. He was a Harvard Business School professor. Now he's at MIT. Runs, runs a company called Culture Index. Really brilliant guy. Awesome man. Um, and they do all these studies around kind of this concept of culture. And it's laughable. They did a study last year or the year before where they looked at the Fortune 500. They looked at what is the culture values that are put on websites. And of the Fortune 500, like 89%, so basically nine out of 10, have four of the five same values, culture. They all want to be agile. They're all customer focused, right? And so they're all aspiring to be these five things, which by the way, they're all different industries and different types of companies with different, there's no way that they all have 90% the same culture, right? It's a joke. You would have the diversity of the Fortune 500 is so much greater than, than five same values, right? And then they looked at and did surveys of people in those companies do the values on your website represent what you experience as an employee? And there was zero correlation with any company with any of the values. And instead, there was a negative correlation, meaning not only were companies totally lost in trying to believe that, you know, that they actually have these five things that they all want to have, but employees of those companies find it laughable because they don't believe that the culture of those companies have anything to do with those five. So I think culture is the biggest miss. Oh, the, the other laughable one is there are companies out there that parade themselves as measuring culture that are not measuring culture. The whole $3 billion industry of engagement surveys, very important to do engagement surveys, temperament surveys. Are my employees happy? Oh, we have three divisions that people are miserable. And, and that explains why they're quitting all the time. Well, I didn't need an engagement survey to see the quitting ratio for those managers. But still, good to do engagement surveys and know who's happy, who's not, who's about to quit. Maybe you can prevent it, but it's very after the fact. But when Microsoft and Apple, who have completely different cultures and nobody, either company would ever work at the other because the culture is different, they have the same exact results on engagement surveys with 20% super engaged, love the company, 60%, it's a great job, but you know, it's, it's just a job. And like 10 or 20% miserable, they thought they'd get free products or something. Just because you have the same happiness at a company or mediocrity at a company doesn't mean you have the same culture. Culture is about the way you work. Culture is about actually what we measure. What are the behaviors of your people? How do they like to work? Are they data-driven? Are they maverick? Are they influenced? Are they more consultative? That's culture. It has nothing to do with temperament. And it's crazy to me that the smartest people in the world who are running billion-dollar corporations are still drinking the Kool-Aid that there's one culture and that understanding and engagement surveys actually helping touch culture. They're, they're clueless. Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, and, and, and truth be told, I always think of culture as a singular thing, but everyone used to. So did we. So did I. Is it, you know, what is the culture? Well, your culture is actually probably all cultures, you know, in, in terms of where you are geographically and the, diversity of your 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 people and uh it's funny you mentioned those five things that people put on the website um you, you see companies change them too you see them change their 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 defined culture online every three to five years oh yeah and and, and here's here's the here's the future so we have a tool once you give the tool for collaboration to everybody we now have the data to have a ceo culture dashboard where a ceo can actually see what is the culture for the whole company 
And then they can push a button and see the culture for the U.S., a culture for Brazil, a culture for China. And then within the U.S., they can see the culture for finance, the culture for sales, the culture for marketing. And within sales, they can pull out the high performers and the low performers and actually see of 28 variables we measure across behaviors, motors, and work styles, what are the three or four things that explain the culture of performance of our high-performing salespeople, the culture performance of the low performers? We're the first company to be able to actually identify culture performance at the functional level, at the job-specific level. This is the future of culture, where you can push a button and see all those differences, manage all those differences, hire, because we have a recruiting tool where now you hire without the subjective interview process, which people just hire who they like, hire for either cloning that high-performance culture, that's half the jobs out there, okay, or where you want diversity of thought, where you can push a button and guarantee who you hire thinks differently than the culture you already have, meaning culture ad. And so we have all of this where it's all data-driven and you just kind of like, like Grammarly, where you kind of scale the little bar, like I want people different from the current team. Okay, we'll only show you candidates that are different from the way you guys think. Oh, 99%, we have 12 people, they're all decisive. Maybe we should hire a deliberate person. Oh, we have 10 people who are also starters and we don't have any team members, no people who have motivated belonging. Maybe we, and we don't have a sense of team. Let's start hiring some people who are more belonging and of service. So we actually already there with a product to help companies get there um, around the true culture and, and how to manage it. We even have a product where you can show it on your website. To your point, um, instead of putting five things that every company aspires to, why don't you actually show your real culture so you can actually show where it's about the company, the culture of the company, the culture of the division or the country and the culture of the team. And we're trying to do a deal with LinkedIn if they ever kind of wake up where they can actually compete with Glassdoor, which is a bunch of pissed off people writing comments against their company or really, you know, paid employees that are getting free Starbucks cards and other rewards by the company or cheerleaders. They're, you're basically Glassdoor is the tail ends of the pissed off employees that got fired and the happy employees. It's not really what's true happening. And it's all qualitative data. Imagine when LinkedIn or if Glassdoor responds to me can actually show the true culture of companies and actually be a data-driven platform so that when you apply to a company on LinkedIn, you can say, show me the companies where there's a VP of sales role that the culture is aligned to who I am. And instead of getting 30 jobs to apply for, you get three. And likewise, the companies can find candidates and say, I want a VP of sales or I want a marketing director in pharmaceutical that will fit with our company for what works for us, either cloning what we have or something that's going to add culture, add to our, our team. And instead of getting 500 candidates, you get five. It's the holy grail of the last mile for recruiting. And we do all of that already today. I love your passion. I love your passion. You, you definitely have your passion. There's no doubt about it. It took me 45 years to find, but <laughs> um, I was, you know, I was going to, the kind of one of the wrap up questions is to talk a little bit more about emerging trends or technologies you believe will be significantly impact HR management in the coming years. We talked a little bit, you talked a little bit about chat GPT, you know, the LinkedIn uh, component is fascinating um, with, with Glassdoor. Is, is there anything else that you could think of or, or would like to touch on? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the biggest change in the workforce is going to be, everyone's going to become like a 1099 and, and even distributed and just the whole move to you're not going to be connected to a company all the time. So many roles are going to be outsourced. You have all these kind of like 
and it just started with technology, but it's going into creative, into copy, into marketing, into sales. Like people will work three, for three or four companies and it'll be like an on-demand work system and, and companies are going to have to figure out that's a whole nother layer of complexity. How do you keep people engaged when they're not full-time employees and they're working at different companies? And, you know, a company recently, I think they were like a 10 million in revenue. It's called Vindel, V-I-N-D-L. Workday saw this coming and they bought them for $500 million. And some other company, you can imagine, and some other company, it's, it's all around what is the HRIS system? What is the software platform to manage employees that are not full-time? That's the future of work. Like, we're not all going to work 10 years at a company anymore. It is on demand and off the shelf at the moment, fill a need. Um, that whole temp on-demand workforce, that, that's going to become more and more. I mean, it might end up being 50, 5-0% of, of all jobs. Today it might be 15 or 10, but that will end up being half the workforce. And that's going to be very different. All human beings will will become on, entrepreneurial, which I think is great because it's going to leave, lead everyone to to hit their passion much earlier. So mm-hmm. 20 years from now, I wouldn't have made my hit my passion at 45. I probably would have found it at 25, which is a great thing. I think people were like robots and we just kind of do what we're told for and, and we follow the path that everyone tells us to follow. It's going to make people much more independent, uh, which is a beautiful thing in life. Yeah, no more. You kind of think back to the, the Tom Peters book, you know, the, the company man that basically goes to a company and, and stays there for his entire career. That's, that's, it's, it's even becoming more fractional now where you see it on LinkedIn. You don't even see that a lot of the 10 years is, is even less frequent. You see the twos and the threes and the twos and the threes all the time with people. Yes. Uh, and, and every, I mean, it's called experience, right? It's like a, a, a basketball team that makes it to the NBA playoffs and then you know, they play different teams in different divisions or a tennis player that plays different styles on clay, on hard court, uh, a soccer team that that plays different styles. And, and a player in the U.S., for instance, never played in Europe, is never going to be a great soccer player. Employees or human beings that get exposed to different types of companies in different industries in potentially different countries one day, because now it's easy to work anywhere. I mean, these young people are like working all over the world. It's kind of insane. Um, um, that makes you a better human being, right? You the more exposure to different things and challenges makes you a better soul. Like that's what life's about. And, you know, the, the old model of the corporate world is going to have to bend because souls are going to win and corporations are losing. Yeah. Some companies may break too, but uh, when they try to bend is um, you shared so much about upcoming features with uh human intelligence do you have anything else that you want to add just before wrapping up in terms of the horizon or things that you're thinking about well i i think a tool like ours and 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 understanding the psychometrics of all employees and the the culture of teams at a team level divisional level role level it, it'll make the whole job search and the, the recruiting process so much more seamless um once everyone not only has a resume and let's call that linkedin and all these other databases but once everybody in the world has a psychometric profile out there and it's just seen as the, 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 here's your resume and here's your psychometrics, the instantaneous matching is going to be amazing because now every, not just every co- industry, but every company is going to know what works at their company. They're going to know what culture of performance. So recruiting this painful process for the company to go through 50 interviews, thousands of applicants, 
and for and candidates to be applying to all these jobs, that goes away. You look for a job and you'll be matched within a day, right? Javier, who goes into McDonald's and they say, hey, take this personality test, either with a pen, on an iPad right there. The results is, hey, sorry, Javier, you're, you're not a candidate for McDonald's, but hey, Javier, three blocks away, there's a Burger King. And you would actually be fast-tracked to the management team track because your personality is exactly what they want for their culture. So turn around, walk three blocks, he goes, gets a job, and 10 years later, he's like a VP at, at, at Burger King, right? Instantaneously matching that's like geolocalized, whether it's online or in person, you know, 30% of success is your resume. 70% is your psychometrics and how you fit culturally with the company, with the industry, with the job, and with the, the team and the leader, right? Today, everybody's focused on the resume and always focused on the, the, the behavioral and psychological parts. When that happens, it'll be instantaneous matching for jobs and people won't waste 15 years doing things they're miserable at and having friction and getting quit and get, getting fired um, and, and all that stress. Um, everybody will be happy at work and more engaged. And imagine every dad and mom coming home from work happy and every poor middle-class family not getting fired and not knowing what to do for money. Like it's going to be a better place. Like I joke that our platform is truly long-term, the happiness platform. It will reduce turnover by 30 or 40% around the world. And we're just suicides. It'll really change the world in a really powerful way when everyone's psychometrics are just flowing through all systems that do matching of all types. The happiness platform. I, I like that tagline. That's excellent. That's great. Well, Juan, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for, uh, for your time today. I, I know uh, you're super busy and uh, I'll make sure to include some links in the, in the uh, show notes so people know how to get in touch with you. And uh, just in wrapping up, um, I just wanted to say to all of the kids out there that are young or old and especially my kids stay curious and uh that's the show so thank you again Juan. thanks mark for the opportunity and, and wonderful experience here thanks for tuning in to the new hr we hope this episode has given you some fresh perspectives and practical ideas for improving your workplace if you enjoyed this episode feel free to connect with us and before you go, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and our YouTube channel so you don't miss any episodes. Until next time.